Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Should know. And you probably don't know it, but that's why you subscribe to the Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast. Not the Catholic stuff that you already know, and I'm just going to mock these guys <laughs> silently in my heart as I'm listening to my iPod. Actually, I wonder how much that actually happens. I had my friend Keith at the seminary, who's like one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life, listen to some of our podcasts, and he's like, oh, you guys do a great job. And I was like, oh, really? I'm like, which one did you listen to? And then he told me, and he's like, yeah, I, yeah, I had some questions about what you're saying. <laughs> so I'm like, don't, don't trust this completely. This is not public revelation. There's no Nihil Ofstad. We have not, we have not uh, gotten any permission to do this from our bishop. Thankfully, it's not on paper, so we don't need it, it doesn't need to be printed. That's An imprimatur. Right. <laughs> I don't know if there's a Latin word for it. It may be podcasted. Yeah, impropodcastor. <laughs> oh, that's cheesy. I, that's what they do, though. And these, um, you know, because everything in the church, uh, canon law, things like that, everything's in Latin originally. But sometimes you have new words that you just kind of have to make up. You know, Latin's a dead language, but not for canon lawyers, you know. So they make up. <laughs> I remember seeing something about when I was in Steubenville and they talked about the diocese of Steubenville. It was like Steubenvilleus or something like that. No. Yeah. It was, you know, Latinized in some way. So <laughs> podcastius or something. I'm Dude. sure that would work. Wow, man, that's way beyond my Agricolae Agricolarum, man. I was like, welcome to Dude, Latin. I'm right there with you. I don't even know what you just said. Dude, that's farmer. That was like the first, that was the first, uh, that was the first word I learned in Latin when I was taking classical Latin as a freshman in high school. Really? What's, yeah. what's the word? Agricolae. Agricolae is a farmer? Yeah, Agricolae with an A. If you probably can't hear it because maybe I got a stubby nose. Because <laughs> the wind is blowing and it's fall. It's beautiful. How's your Latin? Horrid. <laughs> <laughs> Latin. Latin. I'm a Roman Catholic priest and I. Latin, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Lord have mercy on my soul because I, I, I like, actually, I went to, I went to, like, try to pray some of the uh, mass in Latin the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I looked at it and I was like, oh, no, I can't pronounce this. I was like, oh, man, I got to work on this. <laughs> uh, there's, there was some priest somewhere who just had, like, a shudder in his spine as I was trying to engage and. Alas, times man. is hard. Times is real hard. <laughs> Shit, man. Oh man. So, Joe, I, I am, I am curious to know. Uh, you know, I, you've uh, bound me in this basement and and uh, are making me podcast late at night. You don't know, know how late this is right now. I mean, I feel trapped by this whole experience here. I, what, what are we talking about here? I don't know, man. Maybe you need the rod of discipline. I probably do. <laughs> Probably. This is horrible. <laughs> you know, because you clicked on it, we we're talking about slavery in the history of the church. Um, this is actually a fascinating mm. topic. I did a uh, paper on this for my church history class, and it presents a lot of questions. We talked, me and John were talking on the podcast, uh, I don't know, a few podcasts ago, about how we should probably start doing something that's a little, a little messy, you mm. know, because there is a tendency with people who love the church and want to defend the church to kind of put the blinders on, I guess, to I will things. Not look at this. exactly to things that are a little messy, uh, a little yep. tarnish our history, sort of thing. And we want to put the church in the in the best light. And this is part of the whole postmodern game. You know, you kind of you pick and choose what you want to, the face you want to put on. Yep. Um, and the church, uh, people can do that in defending the church sometimes. And we have to be honest with <clears throat> kind of the glories and the beauty and the great gift and uh, the greatest gift of history. 
<coughs> excuse me, um, the that, that is the church, you know, given to us by Christ. And we also have to be honest that the church is, is full of saints and full of sinners. And it has been throughout history, and there's been some, there's been some ugly stuff uh, in the past. And this is one of those things that, you know, what do you do with? I mean, there's some, there's some beautiful things here, uh, yeah. but it's slavery. I mean, this is something that I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would disagree that slavery is a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Um, yeah, I can see the bumper sticker. Slavery is bad. I mean, like, you, nobody's going to, like, honk at you and, like, try to ram your car. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Um, unless you lived in the South before the Civil War. And that's the danger, is that when we think of slavery, um, usually the first thing that comes to mind is before the Civil War, America, South, this is our image of slavery, that it's racially based, and we slaves are somehow subhuman and and abuse and that was a try. I mean, I'm not in any way condoning them. It's a horrible thing. Um, but slavery that existed in the ancient world, it didn't. All, we can't equate those two things because they looked very different in some yeah, sense. Yeah, to, to like the, the you know like going to Africa and robbing it, and then just like the horrible slaughter of peoples as they were, tra- you know, crossing the oceans to bring them back here to do subhuman labor and beat them and and mutilate them. I mean, it was is is, is like one of the great atrocities of all time. Yeah, um, is is the uh, uh, you know African slave trade oh, it's uh, horrible. Of, of the early history of America, which is, is just grody. It's horrid. And if you think about that, it seems it is problematic that when you think about the history of the Catholic Church and just history of Western civilization, that you had for the last, you know, for the first 1,700 years of Catholicism, you had an ever-increasing Christian culture and society in Western civilization with slavery existing kind of alongside it. And those things seem very incompatible. I mean, there was, there were movements to abolish slavery, you know, starting in the, you know, the year 1000, that century. Uh, I mean, it's been going on for a while. The struggle was long, but for a long time, it just kind of existed there. So what do you, you know, what do you do with that? You're, you're a Catholic, you love the church and you, but you look at history and you're like, wow, uh, there were a lot of the early Christians were slaves what? and some of them were Slave owners. Yeah. What, what What was? I mean, like, what was slavery uh, when when we're? I mean, when we're going back, because because I mean, I imagine you know that it was. I mean, like, were they just done? It's like, okay, you're a slave, and now you're a slave for life. We're just going to shackle you, and you will now, you know, fold and write all my thank you letters for the rest of your life. <laughs> if you had a slave, that's what they'd be doing. That's what they would be doing. <laughs> they'd be writing thank you letters, which is totally. Absurd. That's right. Well, you wouldn't necessarily not be a slave if you lived in the ancient world, because there's a few things about, uh, you know, what did slavery look like back then? So in the ancient world, slavery was everywhere. It was totally ubiquitous. It was just a part of, it was as common as like, you know, iPods are today. You know, we were just talking about iPods at dinner tonight with Steve Jobs uh, passed away yesterday. God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Um, but it was it was everywhere. It was all over the place. And it wasn't something that penetrated the moral consciousness of people back then it was just uh, ipods yeah ipods or slavery oh like uh, yeah yeah slaves weren't seen as subhuman by any means it was it was a lower status and it was an economic reality yes um and much more common to servants i guess that where you would think of a servant today um but there were abuses i mean and we there, there's you can study history and learn about these things i mean slaves were used for all sorts of horrible things uh you know physical discipline all these different things um, but then you have Christ kind of entering into this fallen world in the fullness of time where slavery is just a part of the fabric of society. It's no, nobody really questions it. 
Um, and Christ doesn't come and condemn slavery. I mean, he, in fact, he heals. He does a, he does a miracle for a slave owner. The centurion comes to him and says, I have a slave who is like a son to me. And he, you know, this is the line where he says, you know, yeah. I'm not worthy that you should enter into my roof, but just say the word and my, and my servant shall be healed. My slave shall be healed. That's, this is one thing to, to understand that's kind of important here. So in the New Testament, there's a little Greek coming at you. All right. How's your Greek? You're... Oh, my Greek is worse than my Latin. All right. This is good then. Okay. So this is going to be fun. So in the New Testament, almost anytime you see the word servant in English, yeah. you can pretty much just substitute slave. Oh. Because in the Greek, it's all the one, same word. Where's Dulos? Be my servant. Yeah, that, that sounds song. a lot better than the slave they song, want right? You be my slave. <laughs> That's a little awkward. I think that would change the like sentiment exactly. of that song in it's, pretty serious yeah, ways. It really would. I mean, because we have a whole, you know, slavery is 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 a very negative thing in our <laughs> consciousness right now. But servant seems a little more palatable. Yeah, definitely. Um, but no, it's true. I mean, and this is all over the New Testament. You see servant, I mean, Paul calls himself, I am the, you know, Paul, servants of Christ Jesus, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, be, be servants to all. Whoever would be first must be, the last must be the servant of all. You can just substitute all those, Paul, who is the slave of Christ Jesus. Whoever would be first must be the slave of all. Because it's, it's all the same word. That's a pretty important concept then. If, if, if We really have to understand what, a, what the spirit of a slave is. Yeah. Because if, if, if I'm enslaving myself, like, what? You're, I'm, you're, I'm, giving some, I'm giving my freedom over on yeah. some level. It's huge, man. It's absolutely huge. Uh, and that's the difference between servant and slave, even in our definitions now. What's the main difference? I mean, they might do a lot of the same things. Yeah. You know, they, they'll, they'll write your thank you cards and they'll do your laundry and they'll cook your meals. But the difference between a slave and a servant is that the slave isn't just serving. The slave, his, he actually belongs to the other. Um, and it's not familial. Mm-mm. It's I'm, not. Yeah, I'm, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's my whole, you, you possess me. Um, and that, if, if we're talking about that on a worldly level, that's yeah. a ho- that can be a horrible thing, and that can really demean and kind of wipe away the personhood and the autonomy of the person. But if we're talking about this on a spiritual level, like, I God, I want to totally belong to you. I, wanna, I don't want to just serve you. I want to be yours. Mm. Um, and mm. he has purchased us at a great price. I mean, Paul uses that language, and yeah. he calls us the slaves of God. You know, like, this is, in a, in, when this is redeemed, this concept of slavery and and then that that's totally like that like shatters our understanding of what slavery is to try to redeem this and have a more positive view of this not on a worldly level yeah and it's a good thing that slavery is abolished I'm not trying to make Amen. a case that we should bring it back by any means oh. um, but even for un- my thank you notes which are manifold <laughs> it's worth it's worth having just you know do this thank you yeah I just I'll just hire somebody <laughs> I'll just okay. hire somebody that's right um but there is a there's a certain sense that we need to recover a certain notion of what this means to be a slave because we're, we're all, Paul's telling us we're all slaves of Christ. You know, he wants us to be slaves to one another. And mm. it, really, a small tidbit from, the, uh, from Revelation. You know, there's a part in Revelation where Paul's talking about the slaves of God or the servants of the Lord. And he says, you know, and they will see the Lord face to face and his name shall be written on their foreheads. That that notion of the name being written on their forehead, yeah. that was something that was taken from slave culture. Slaves would have the mark, almost like a brand of their master on them at some point, sometimes on their face. Um, and Paul is using this thing that's that's in the world and yeah. is part of the fact, I mean, this is just part of it. This wasn't a a moral issue for them. This is just, this is just the, the part of society, it's the economic. sociological and economic reality. Mm-hmm, exactly. And he's taking this and he's using this to, to, or that, this is actually John using this to illustrate our relationship to God. 
uh, and God who is, we are his, we totally belong to him. But God doesn't, the father doesn't look at us and say, you are my slaves. You know, we say to him, you know, we belong to you. You know, we're, we're your servants, we're your slaves. And, you know, just like the prodigal son who says, yeah. take me as one of your hired servants. The father says, you know, you're my son. And that's, that, that's the relationship God wants with us. He doesn't want uh, us to, I mean, we come to him, we give us, we give him our whole lives. Yep. Uh, and we take the lowest place with one another as a slave. The slave is the lowest of society, right? But God lifts us up. Father lifts us up and says, you're, you are my sons, you're my daughters. So it's a, there's, there's something, there's some, some rich stuff here, but this is more of a, uh, spiritual, I guess, you know, understanding and direction. Yeah. Which, which I can get that. You go low, you go low and the Lord will lift you high. That is like, that is like the essence of like the scriptural mm-hmm. reality. You, the lowest, how low can you go? And this he's going to lift know, you up. When our lady, she, the Magnificat, when she's singing her song and she says, you know, I am the handmaid of the Lord in the Greek, that's actually, she's saying, I'm the, I'm the doule. I'm the slave. Sorry, I'm the slave girl of the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that wild? That's wild. And, and so, but there's still a problem with slavery. There's still a problem with slavery. Cause, so, cause you know what, if you, owning people is, mm-hmm. uh, is contrary to their dignity. Exactly. I mean, treating a person as property. I mean, this is, this is the fundamental problem with slavery is that you, you see another person as your property and nothing else as, as a mere something to be bought and sold as you would buy and sell cattle or other possessions. And, right. And, and not an end in itself. Exactly. Exactly. This is the problem. We're we're a couple of personalists around here. (laughs) You're like finishing my personalist sentiments, man. Here we go. Love it. Okay. So, uh, so what are so how do they look at what was slavery? What were the attitudes of Christians towards slavery? So, for the first thousand years or so, yeah, there weren't a ton of people speaking out against slavery as an institution. I mean, Jesus himself didn't seem to condemn it, and he didn't condemn a lot of things that. Needed condemning. Yeah, probably could be condemned. But, you know, he himself said, I did not come to condemn, I came to save. And I think that's the important thing hmm. to remember with Christ. Because yeah. people say, you know, Christ, Jesus could have, he could have solved world hunger. I mean, he could have, or at least, you know, freed the Jews from oppression of the Romans. But Jesus's mission and his fundamental concern wasn't to kind of fix our world up and to kind of clean things up and kind of solve injustices that were happening. And they're everywhere. Um, his main concern, his main mission, yeah. was to free us from the slavery of sin, which is the deepest slavery, um, and to and to to seek us out and to save us uh, by what he did on the cross and his resurrection. And the church just took up that mission upon herself to bring this salvation yeah. to to the world. You know, so when the church got, you know, when that when Jesus ascended and Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit's there, and they're they're getting sent out to the four corners of the earth. They're not thinking we need a we need to solve all the social injustices going on right here. They're not even concerned with that as much as like, we need to free people from the slavery of sin. Uh, and we need to bring the good news of salvation of Jesus Christ to every living being on this planet. And so they went out and that's what they did. And slavery ended up being tolerated. I mean, and you, if you look back at the, the records we have from history, yeah, most, I mean, it was more, prob- more uh, likely than not that most Christians were slaves. And there's, and there's reason, and we have Pliny, who was a Roman uh, governor at the time, was talking about these Christians. He's like, it's kind of a religion for the poor and for slaves. And there's some, some of their leaders who aren't slaves, but, you know, it seems to be like a slave, poor person kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uneducated people were doing this. Um, but there's also, we had some great thinkers at the time as well. But we, we know that probably most of the Christians were, were slaves in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that sense. But we also have, know that, there were Christians who were slave owners. And in the letters of Paul, 
you know, he gets instructions to husbands and wives and children to their parents. And then he goes, and for slaves, you know, be good slaves. Yeah. Serve your masters well. And what he said to them was, serve your masters as you, as you serve, as you would serve the Lord. In fact, the Greek is the same word, serve your Lord as you would serve the Lord. Man, that's a serious challenge because I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's hard enough like serving your boss and you get to go home and mm. you're like, you're like, dude, my boss, <laughs> he reminds me of Michael Scott from The Office. And actually <laughs> I'm a boss now and my biggest worry is I'm like, I'm like Michael Scott. No, no. Like this is the thing. And I can see my employees struggle every once in a while. They're looking at me like, oh, no, man. Seriously, and, and that's hard enough. And they and they and and like, but Paul would speak to them and say, "Serve your pastor as you would serve the Lord," and that's intense stuff, man. Those words are hard. Yeah, man, it is hard. But see, Paul's concern was the salvation of these slaves, not to, not to set them free, but to say to, but to, for them to be saints. And he and he had instructions for the slave owners as well. If masters, treat your sa- slaves justly and fairly, and remember that you yourself have a master, uh. and have an, and and. And he also said, you know, and you will be judged all together. Like in Christ, there is no neither man nor woman, nor Jew or Greek, nor slave, nor free. Yeah. So, I mean, there is in the Christian attitude towards slavery, wasn't that you're subhuman or you're less of a person or, you know, anything like that. But it's really just that this is part of our, the, the fabric of our economic social systems. Nobody's really morally questioning this system or this institution of slavery. Yeah. But they're saying, let's, let's get to heaven. Let's be saints here. Yeah. And and remember that none of us we're all on the same level, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You're you're all one. You're in Christ. We're all the same. Uh, and so that's important to remember. And we see this because there were slaves who became saints, and they were revered and held up just next to non-slaves. I mean, we, we have uh, Felicity and Perpetua. We say those names in the Roman canon, right? Yeah. W- wasn't one of them the owner, and the other one was the slave? No, they were friends. One Felicity was a slave. Okay. Uh, and she was pregnant and a slave. Perpetua was a uh, new mother, I think, and was not a slave, but they were friends. Um, but no, there's a Vitali and, and Aquila, where one, one was a slave, one was the owner, and they were also early martyrs in the Christian church. Um, and they and and they, even in the prayers in the you know in the in the mass, we have these prayers for, for a particular saint. We'll have the collect, you know, where. You, you have one little prayer kind of speaking a little bit about their life and what they're about uh-huh. and then leading the prayer. And for them, they would be like, you know, who were, they were, I forget what the word is exactly, but something like, you know, those those two brothers who were uh, not brothers in this world, you know, they were master and slave in this world, but in Christ they were, were brothers and martyrs alongside one another or something like that. It was something beautiful like... They, they they died together, and yeah. the worldly kind of distinctions we make were just kind of swept away when you talked about them in Christ, and they died as brothers. So, like, so so this is the thing. So, so slavery is kind of a little bit like a caste system in some sense in the ancient world. It's just like you got the—you have— low lowly people who are not free then you got these people who are above them who can own them and then you have and 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 really it's kind of a two-tiered system almost it's like either you you are free or you're not free and then you own or you don't or you're not owned can you can you get out of slavery yeah you can you could you could buy your freedom in the ancient world but Um, if you're a slave how do you make money that's a good point you know i don't even know i've always wondered that just in general just just like how to i mean I've always wondered that in prison too. I mean, like, like how do you how do you like barter yeah, stuff question. in prison? But that's I know just that um, another thing. Po- po- this is the interesting. So we have Pope Gregory the Great. I think he was around in like the six hundreds or something thereabouts. Okay, but he's Pope Saint Gregory the Great. He's like oh yeah, Gregory the Great. Gregory the Great. He's Gregorian a, chant. Yeah, Gregorian chant. He's a huge figure. He was great. He was 
incredibly influential in the first millennium of Christianity. But he bought and sold slaves. And what do you do with that? But he also had things where he'd say, but he would like talk about slaves as brothers as well. And he would, and he, he also encouraged people to buy slaves and then free them. So there's a certain sense, this is interesting because it's kind of messy. Uh, there is a certain sense that slavery is not a good thing. And they would Weird. talk about slavery as a result of sin. You know, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, the first time we see slavery is with Ham and Noah. Noah has a son, Ham, and he says, cursed be you, Ham. And says you will be a slave to your brother. And this I, is the first I hate cursed ham. Just cur- in, just in case you're wondering, <laughs> I always bless my meal before I eat. Oh. That's important. I'm sorry. That, that was, was horrible. Really, I'm sorry, Michael friends. Scott. Everybody. Yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um. But so I mean, so, there's so ham, so ham. Does ham get out of this, or does he? Is he locked in for life? Uh, ham is. I think it's the last mention we have of ham. Well, he, he has some kids. We know his, his kids were. One of them was Egypt, and so there's. There's been these parallel, I and mean, this is a horrible thing, but the African slave trade. Yeah, there were some Christians who were using that as a defense for this, the African slave trade. Well, Oof. Ham was cursed with slavery, and his son was Egypt, who was in Africa, and so clearly this is part of the providence of God. That, and it was just like, no, like this is, who 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 gave you that interpretation? So I mean, this is this is a horrible way that people would use scripture to defend slavery. Yeah. Um, but this is, um, but the the reason I brought this up is because the fathers of the church would always see slavery as a result of sin. We live in a fallen world. This is not a good thing. But there wasn't a sense of like, we should do something about it and change this whole system. I mean, they weren't even thinking on that global level. I mean, they didn't have the communication, the technology to communicate on a global level. But where they could, they they tried to move away. They, you know, they, uh, you know, if you could buy slaves and free them, that was seen as a great thing. Um, but at the same time, it was tolerated. And I think the main reason it was tolerated was because slaves were becoming saints. Mm. And... And there, in the end, that, that's kind of all that mattered. But at the same time, you would think that as as the Christian consciousness permeated more and more civilization, and more and more people becoming Christian, and it's full with saints and sinners, like I said, eventually, you have some people being like, you know, this the gospel is really incompatible with this institution of slavery, and then you could just see that. I mean, if the gospel tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I don't want to be a slave. I'd rather be a master myself, you know. Yeah. Then why am I? Why am I having slaves myself? I'm supposed to love them as I love myself. So you can see how. I mean, for us, it seems so second nature to think like that. Uh, yeah. That you know, slave. How could you see? How could you not see slavery as a bad thing? But you have to get in your mind that this was kind of. This is just a fact of humanity. You were born in this world, and slaves are everywhere. This is just kind of how things existed. Is is isn't then like this 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 experience of slavery the reduction of the human person to an economic reality? Because it, essentially, it's like you can't pay your bills. Your wife and your family are now slaves, dog. This is how it is. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, we, it's, it's not. It's not like people are like, "Hey, I think I'm going to go become a slave." I think that's really my good plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. They, no, it's it's pro. I mean, whenever I've heard about it and or, or read about it, it's it's that experience of either that or somebody's caught or like we have Joseph whose brothers sell him into slavery. They want mm-hmm. they want twenty bucks or twenty silver pieces and they sell him off. And yeah, it was much much more of a social reality. It wasn't racial. That's an, another good thing to keep in mind. This wasn't something like a certain races were slaves. It was more like people who had nothing else to do and sometimes it was a, a people were conquered or a, a city was conquered and they would take the your people and make them slaves and that was that was obviously not a good thing i mean you're taking innocent, innocent people <laughs> uh, we're not we're not condoning that at all but this yeah. is this is kind of how it functioned i guess um but uh 
But eventually, people start questioning it. You know, John Chrysostom was a big guy who was like, slavery is not a good thing. You should sell slaves, or you should you should uh, release slaves and stuff like that. So little by little, you start to see more and more people speaking out against slavery. So this is kind of my, this is this is totally Doman theology as far as like my analysis of this. Um, Welcome to the Theodome. Exactly. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but this is how, this is how I've seen, just in the research I did about this, is that, it wasn't a part of the moral consciousness. It wasn't, it was everywhere, and it wasn't really a part of, is slavery good or evil? That's not how people were thinking. It just is. So, and let's be, let's, let's be saints in this. Yes. Um, and there's something, you could be a just slave owner in that sense, uh, treating your slave like, like a son in a lot of ways. And that's, we see that with the centurion, right? Yeah. Uh, he's a part of his household. And I'd imagine St. Gregory the Great. Yes. And in the, and you read the letters that he wrote, and that's the way he taught. I mean, they were baptized, he, and he loved it, you know, like... There's a certain sense that you can see this guy's not exploiting people like crazy, um, but he's he's cooperating with this institution and he's living in this reality of this whatever sixth century world. But okay, so as the centuries went on and the gospel permeated more and more of the consciousness of the civilization, I think you see the moral it, it penetrating the moral consciousness of people more and more, like John Chrysostom, like some of these other leaders. Um, and so, whereas before, when it was just kind of part of the fabric of society. I don't think anybody was really culpable for having slaves or, I mean, they could be culpable for how they treat their slaves, but as far as participating in, in the institution, uh, I don't think that was something that they were seeing as good or evil. But when this became questioned and when this, you know, by the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th centuries, when you start to see some real problems um, and some real ugliness, I mean, slavery, and there's, and there's some real debates, like is slavery good or is it wrong? I think you see more and more hypocrisy with Christians, with non-Christians alike, with people who are Christian in name. I mean, this is what we say. The church is, is beautiful. The mystical church is, is the greatest gift. And there, and and we need to, we need to stay into the church and within the confines of the church to receive the salvation that Christ has given us through there. And, uh, but the same, the, the church is also full of saints and, and of sinners. And, and Christ talks about this in the, in the parable of the wheat and the wheat and the, in the field and the weeds in the field, you know? And he says, you know, no, we're not going to pull up all the weeds. We're going to wait until the end of time. And we'll, because if we pull up the weeds, we'll destroy the weed as well, you know? And this is kind of, I almost see this as Christ's parable, uh, not condemning like social change or anything, but not expecting the world to be perfect and knowing that, you oh, know, man. the church is always going to be, it's, there's always going to be messiness oh, in man. what you see. Yeah, I'm a pastor and I I get that deeply. Mm-hmm. I see this in my in myself. I'm like, heck, I mean, the more I, the more I try to live the Christian life, the more I realize that I might be a weed myself, you know? Um, and it's it's something that you kind of have to live I, with. I don't think you're a weed. Oh, thanks, you're, man. You're a good guy. I'm a nice little plant. <laughs> you're, you're a good weed and you're growing up big and strong. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that was awkward. Okay. But, um, but yeah, you see this... Um, as, as this question became more and more a moral question, I think you see more and more hypocrisy. Um, and and we have to be honest with that. We have to look at that and be like, there's some forgiveness and that needs to be sought for not just people in the church, but for any institution that, that supported uh, something that it, they had less and less... Uh, reason for not well, having culpability i guess yeah well it capitalized i mean this is the thing is you, you know the, the truth is is that uh i know how much stuff costs it's a it's an expensive thing to have people working and to be able to support them and their families it'd be much easier if you just had to feed them 
Yes, yeah, <laughs> and you're just free labor. Like, hook me up, man. This is this sounds great. Mm-hmm. I like the sound of that. Yeah, it took a lot. It takes a lot of courage to kind of to move away from these things. But yeah. and the, but the gospel takes courage. You know, living yeah. living the Catholic faith is never easy. And anybody, I mean, and it's easy for us to look back and you know, with judgment, I guess, upon a lot of people who might have lived in this reality and and participated in this institution. Um, and there's a certain sense that we should make a judgment on their actions and be like, okay, this is not a good action. But at the same time, uh, to judge their souls and to judge their intentions, because you, we could turn around and look at ourselves and like, there's a lot of ways that I cop out of the gospel, you know, and I, I, I compromise about things that look, you know, that look like they're okay, but they're really just me running away from the cross and running away mm. from, from, from Christ in a lot of ways. So so it's it's an important thing to keep in mind, but it's messy. Uh, but but the beautiful thing is that even when slavery was abolished uh, in the 1700s, starting with really with Great Britain, um, and I, you know, have you seen the movie Amazing Grace? Yeah, man, that's powerful. It's a beautiful Good. movie. That, that man, that's intense. Mm-hmm. And that William Wilberforce, the main character there, he is a uh, he one of the great abolitionists um, to you know to end or at least begin and initiate the movement of abolition. Uh, he was, you know, he wasn't Catholic himself, but he was motivated by deep spiritual and gospel convictions. You know, like basically the abolition of slavery happened uh, really for the first time on a wide scale in Western civilization because of people inspired by the gospel of Christ. And that's, I think that's something to keep when we when we kind of weigh these two things and be like, oh, look how bad Christianity's been. They tolerated the slavery, but really, no, they were, you know, for seventeen hundred years. For seventeen hundred years, but but in the end. What what abolished slavery was was the message of Jesus Christ permeating uh, yeah. into our social structures, and that's that's not why the gospel came to fix our social structures and social justice and all these things. Um, but but it social does, justice but it does affect that exactly, and, and social justice is something that is, is 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 something that we need to move to, and the gospel should affect our social systems. And it's kind of the challenge for us now is like, well, what are the what are the things that maybe unjust in our social in our social life now that you know maybe we have the capacity to to move to bring the gospel of Christ into a yeah I, well, a deeper I, lived reality i think it's really important too that uh that the church has never taught on slavery it's never like it's never like sent out an, a great point. you know an encyclical slaverous para humanis that's my latin joke there for, you go yeah, slavery for humanity and then it wrote an encyclical about how great owning slaves are this is the you know it says it, it it does gives some guidelines for a reality that is there but it's never it remains neutral in its teaching there's mm-hmm. never like a you know cathedra teaching from the pope that's saying hear ye hear ye the, the slavery is good no it's it was a tolerated reality a tolerated one until it was it was more fully understood even in even into these moments now of saying you know we live where the person must always be treated as an end in themselves and like but that but that's that slow conversion it's the slow churn and transformation of culture even in of itself mm. and that's what it actually worries me now that we're entering into some, sometimes a a, a post christian civilization that we're, we're actually um we're starting to get uh we don't have necessarily the same economic full life slavery that that once was, but the slavery of sin is so rampant now, and it's so easy to get people into a place where they're just so dependent that they're that they're just suckling, and that there's no there's no way freedom outside of that. And 
Um, and, and so that, that gets me worried because, uh, this long, slow process of the understanding of who the human person is, is, is now actually really, uh, really at risk again. Mm. Uh, uh, even in, even in just the understanding of, uh, of the, uh, death movements of euthanasia and abortion. I mean, these things are, I mean, in some ways, it, the, the, these are, these are a new and different, um, uh, uh, distortion of the human person that's very, very difficult. And I don't mean to move this into another place, but that's where, man, I'm looking at, the, at, 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 at thankfulness, even though you're saying, why didn't they do somebody do something about this earlier? Right. Why was the Pope, you know, in the slave trade? Why? I mean, what, what is, what, what is this? But, but it's not happening now. Mm. And, uh, it has been, it has, it is transformed and otherwise, man, like, yeah. No, that's a good point. I, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, but the dangers that we can get into when we when we begin to reject the gospel of Christ and we're we're guided only by our own what we see as good or what we see as just or right or mm-hmm. as as life giving and as leading us to life. Uh, but without Christ, we're we're in death. You know, uh, and so and this is kind of the this comes brings us back to what we we're talking about at the beginning, where Christ came not so He could fix all these things, but so He could free us from the slavery of sin. Yes. and redeem us uh, in that way and and it affects that slow change cuz the cuz there's realities i mean even just in unbridled capitalism even in you know marxist analysis socialism it's like uh, the gospel can enter into any social environment and utterly transform it yeah and actually then show forth the two parts of it i mean then that's that's what's so wild is that is that um, there's nothing that we have to be afraid of when we are in the truth because the truth is one and it's good and it's beautiful. I mean, and, and it really finds, it finds its own level. Um, uh, but, but th- we're, we're, this is the thing is that's why it's not just Roman Catholicism. It's why it's Ukrainian. It's why it's, it's uh, Russian. It's why it's Filipino. It's Japanese. It's Asian. I mean, all these, all these people live in just totally different capacities. Now, uh, now in the East, there's still a lot of slave. There's, there's a lot of slaves still. Actually, there's sex slaves. And I have a friend who's out in uh, um, um, Phnom Penh working with uh, women, trying to get them out of the, the sex slave trade, and men now, too, hmm. and teaching them to print T-shirts. Really? Yeah, so that they actually have some way to sustain their lives because they get tied into this and they don't have any way to make enough money to actually get out of this experience in their life. And so there are still places around the world. In the West, it's it's it, it, it's not happening in the same way. Now, it, they do get imported, and there are still evil people who are trying to, to, to do this thing where they don't have to, they can just exploit people and get what they want out of them. I mean, that's what that's about. Hmm. And that's evil, evil. I mean, there was a place in Boulder here. That this uh, they were shipping in uh, Thai cooks. It was a Thai restaurant. Really? Yeah, and they were shipping in Thai cooks, and and they kept on promising them all this money, and they would make them work hard and work them hard, and we're like, oh, you know, we're gonna pay, we're gonna pay you. And then this place got totally busted. It was about two years ago, and they just took them out. I mean, it was like, it, and it was essentially they were capitalizing on the work visas, and then they send them back with no money. So they would work them for like a year, and then just send them back. And this is, you know. And it was authentic Thai food because it was these Taiwanese guys who were looking wow. for a good life, and that's wild. And, and it's just it's a different it's a different place. It's man. crazy. So it's it's a reality. It's a reality in our world. Um, but it, it's the the wildest thing about the gospel. The gospel turns everything up on its head. That like, whereas in a worldly system, you know, whoever has the most power would try to subject everybody to their will and to yeah. make everybody slave to them. 
But Christ, uh, he took the form of a slave. You know, he who is the most powerful, he came to the lowest place. And that's what he calls, and that's the Christian life. I mean, maybe that, I mean, I don't know, this is totally just me speculating, but I'm like, maybe that's part of the reason why slavery was such a wonderful way to teach about the gospel. Because it's like, the hardest part isn't freeing all the slaves in the world. The hardest part is becoming a slave yourself. You know, that's what we're called to do. Um, to it, it's hard to say, I'm going to serve this person and serve them as, as my master in the sense of like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to subject my will to them. I'm going to take the lowest spot um, because that's, that's where Christ is. If I want to be with Christ, I'm going to be with the lowest of the lowest of the low. Um, and even, you know, Gregory the Great, who we said bought and sold slaves, you know, um, but he's a saint. And what, do you remember the name that he called himself? No. He coined himself, he coined himself and we still call the popes this today? No. Sir, what is it? Servus servorum dei. Servants of servant of the servants of God, in Latin slave though slave. I mean, in Latin the word for slave is servus. So he was he called himself the slave of the slaves of God. So even him. I mean, he uses it obviously metaphorically, but in the sense of, you know, <clears throat> slavery wasn't wasn't something to be to be looked down upon. In fact, that was our goal, and he wanted to be the slave of the slaves. He wanted to be the lowest of the low. Yeah. Um. So. And it shall not be so among you. The. Uh, Great ones of the Gentiles make their authority felt, but among you, whoever wants to be the greatest will be the least of all, and whoever wants whoever wants to be good will be the least of all, and whoever wants to be the greatest will be the slave of all. Lord, transform us into slaves. Amen. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good well, stuff. This Thanks. is officially the longest podcast we've ever done. Are we like 48 minutes or something? 37. Oh, we, if you made it this far, you get a gold star. <laughs> you, you just you know, email us and we'll give you a gold star back. Gold star will be for you. That's good. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Facebook Catholic Stuff Podcast. Is that what it is? Catholic Stuff Podcast? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you get to it on Facebook. I'm sure. Just put it in Catholic Stuff. You'll find it. Anyway, I hope to hear from you, and we will see you next week. Peace.